0: Yo, 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 hey, 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 we are back! Another episode of Dialogue Heavy Am with yours Truly, Michael, Andy McMillan. Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to your boy. So, as you know, we got to be intentional and deliver with everything we do in this life. And I will tell you this I'm doing this for two reasons. One, to share my stories with my friends, fans, and family. And two, Get the, maybe the acknowledgement or the, the the people out there in the entertainment world to notice how skilled your boy is and get their attention. And hopefully they can help me share my, um, my talents with the world. So I got a new story for you guys. It is called Hindsight. It's a story of a man who is fed up with certain things in his life and he decides to uh, make a change. Those things that he's going to change... I don't necessarily want to say. I just want to bring to you in the story. Um, This is definitely the first part of multiple parts of this story. I don't know how exactly how long it's going to be. I kind of feel like I know where I want to put this ending and um, it's going to be a tough one because it's a heist type story. So it's going to be some twists and some turns and stuff like that. And I know most of them uh, and I feel like I know the ending, but well, we'll see how it goes. So let's just get right into it, man. We'll call this chapter one and I'll try to bring you a a piece of the story every Wednesday and uh, with the Wednesday hump day stories. And uh, we'll just go from there. So without further ado, I bring to you chapter one of hindsight. Here we go. Chapter one. Exactly 365 days before I lay in a pool of my own blood with the shot with a shotgun pellet steam emanating from my corpse, something came to me one night and told me it would happen. Not that it would happen in that way, but that my life would be over. It wasn't a he or she, it wasn't a mystical being or an all-knowing entity. It was more so a feeling that in my bones I knew was true. There was no malice behind the words I heard, neither of happiness, it was just was what it was. And what it was, was that I would pass in a year's time. Every next day of the calendar year would be my last day of the year I'd ever have. One more Christmas, one more Thanksgiving, one more birthday, and that was it. It didn't matter how I wanted to use it. I just knew when I woke up that something had to change. Because see, I come from, from, for lack of a better word, losers. And what I mean by that is everyone in my family, tree, never did what they wanted to do with their own life. They always worked for other people. Slaving nine-to-five dead-end gigs for shit pay, no benefits, and nothing but a pot to piss in at the end of the rainbow. There was no, general, it, there was no generational wealth. There was no wealth at all. And nobody can take as much as a $300 emergency hit to the bank account without croaking first. There were uneducated dopes. Disposable pawns in the system they called life, and I was right along with them. None of us had the balls to go out into the world and just take what we wanted. Until I woke up from that dream and changed my family crest forever. The wild thing is that I had always had resources. I just hadn't had the forethought to use them. I worked at the I worked as a doorman for 24 years, 25 years at the Waldorf Estates, a building that housed the most profound and most prolific players in New York. You had Wall Street guys, surgeons, CEOs, entertainers, you name it, and we had it. And I was the stoic, fun-loving giant they trusted because I was their first line of defense against all things crazy, like ex-girlfriends, even crazier ex-husbands, freeloading family members and or beggars on the street, efforting to get a piece of their hard-earned possessions, the possessions that I and a few of my coworkers protected. I had the keys to their million-dollar homes and vehicles. I knew their schedules and of their secret hideaways. I even had access to their precious $50,000 poodles, named poodles that they cherish some more than their own kids. I watched these people come and go and leave in and out of the country for years to places like the Swiss Alps or the Greek islands and they would come back gloating, telling me I just had to go, knowing that unless I was in their goddamn carry-on that it was impossible for me to go. They would present to me $100,000 timepieces and actually ask me to choose from which one to give as a first present for a mistress they wanted to entice. Like I knew what the hell I was talking about. And they bickered, too, all the time, about other people in the building and how much more they made in comparisons to them. They gossiped and obsessed about outlandish things they had and or how shitty another resident was. Then, in a split second, smile on their face and compliment them as they passed in the lobby. It was crazy. It was like the bullshit tabloids you read about, but only in real life being played right in front of you every day. Now, ironically, it was I that felt sorry for them. They knew not what they did to a degree, and a lot of them, while, being, while playing the rich playboy or an heiress of some grand Fortune 500 company to the outside world, on the inside, were lost souls. Subsistent beings that mistook commodities they owned as the value and character of a person. They had no real friends, and family gatherings to them were pissing contests to see who had the hottest new model from Fashion Week or the newest, freshest, most exclusive car that would come out to the public that didn't come out to the public until the following year. Most of them were about as deep as a birdbath and had nothing real to say or interesting to add to a conversation unless it was tied to money, and even if it was, probably something that they saw on CNN or read in a newspaper two minutes earlier. And me? I would just nod or smile during their tirades. Never to agree, but more so to appease them in the moment Then go downstairs to the break room and laugh with my coworkers about how ridiculous the new narrative or ongoing joke was. But for whatever reason, they loved me. Nothing negative was said or tolerated and no ill wills were lasted. If, you're, if you were new to the Waldorf, it wasn't long before you called on old, old Bernard or Mr. Beansy as the kids called me for something and I was well respected. Shit, dare I say it, I was even feared. If you got on my bad side and it got back to the board, all of a sudden you got fined for some arbitrary infraction and everything you did from then on was talked about amongst the community. It was that serious. Now to anybody else in the city that never sleeps, I was nothing. 65 year old black veteran that fetched for white folk for a living with a drinking habit and an attitude. But to the good people at Waldorf at the Waldorf, I was a god, a trustworthy man, principal with a kind heart and a million dollar smile. And for the most part, I was all those things, the good things and the bad things. And I was just fine with living a simple life, working under the shimmering chandelier of that lobby and with the same Chopin piano music playing on loop. At quitting time, I would hit the L train and hit the 42 bus west to Brooklyn. Walk past the walk past the bodegas with the smell of chopped cheese permeating there, Wave to the hoods and pick up my girlfriend from the liquor store before cracking her open in my studio at the house. I ate my cocoa bread and. F- pork fried rice in front of my eating tray while watching the game, then passed out after, after without a fight and got up the next day with a smile on my face. I swear I was just fine with open, opening Lamborghini doors and escorting escorts out the service exit in confidence. But the morning after that dream, something triggered me to do what I did. It wasn't the craziest thing that ever happened at the Waldorf Estates in the 25 years I'd been there, but it was something that in my wildest dreams, I never thought could or should happen to me of all people. Maybe it was the years of smiling on the outside and being an old, pissed off, bitter nigga on the inside, but when I overheard those two residents say what they said, I snapped. And that was the catalyst to my new life and the new version of me that just did not give a fuck. Earlier that day, the day I heard what I heard, there was was a board meeting. The homeowners association had one of these every fourth Thursday of the month, for a State of the Union of sorts, they discussed any ongoing issues in the building, balanced budgets, and talked about the vendors that serviced the joint, the gardeners that kept the rose, that kept them in, that kept them in roses and lilies year round in the courtyard, the pool company that kept their sauna hot and their cool and their cool dip cold, Federico, the Puerto Rican handyman, and the and the only vendor who had been there longer than me was discussed as well. Everybody had their own time of the year where their performance was scrutinized, and since the board only allowed one-year vendor contracts with the Wardorf, it was always a nerve-wracking time when it was your turn. But when you spent as much time with them as I or Federico did, it was just a formality. Our renewal approval was ironclad, so I thought. I know now how stupid it was to think that way, but hey, complacency is a human trait. I thought I'd be I thought I'd be willed out of the Wardorf and an EMT at eighty nine or something before they let me go, but when I really think about it, the warning signs were right in front of me the whole time. The first sign of changing tides should have been when old Federico got replaced a year prior, but I just couldn't or maybe didn't care to see it. The Cuban immigrant And the sweetest man on the planet practically swam to the shores of Florida 30 years prior with $200 in his wet pockets. Hitchhiked his way up to New York, busted his ass for eight years before he was able to start his own little business. He married Lola, had five kids, and put every last one of them through college. A good man. And what did he receive for his years of loyalty and bullshit raises that barely mirrored inflation? Replacement. By a newer, younger, and cheaper handyman. I have to admit, on this one, I'm no hero either. I pushed him off the island like the residents did. Even though he would say I'm more than made up for it since, since then, I still dropped the ball on that one. But back then, I was a shoe in for renewal approval, so I couldn't be bothered. And can you believe that? I thought I was fucking bulletproof. Here I am, surrounded by the biggest crooks, tax evaders, and swindlers of the free world, and I thought because I did an occasional favor, that I was somehow in a safe space. Wow, what a genius. And bam, I woke up from that dream on that morning with 364 days left, hyperventilating and sweating in my creaky twin bed. And like a normal human being of habitual nature, I did what I had done for the last 25 years. Shit, I shit, showered and shaved while I listened to to the cool jazz radio station had breakfast, and left out the door at the exact same time I always did. The bus was on time, and so was the L train going east to Manhattan. The corner store six blocks from the Wardorf with the overpriced coffee was still there and serving the rest of the working community. And the only thing different about the morning was that they had changed their creamers, but it tasted better, so it was fine with me. Like every other day, I savored my coffee and cigarette and saved my last big drag at the corner of the block before letting out my last big cloud of smoke I would have before I lit up for lunch. Two minutes later, I would enter the Waldorf at 7.45 p.m. or 7.45 a.m. sharp, chewing my spearmint gum with the coffee in, in one hand and my camouflaged lunch bag in the other. I let loose Lenny, the sleepy overnight doorman, and after a few greetings to the older the older elderly risers and young rich gym-goers, I would sit at my desk and bicker about my settings on the computer and the music playing, but otherwise it was smooth sailing from there. I sat in my lush desk chair, listened to Chopin play that piano, and waited for the first task of the day. When I thought about that and and when I thought about that dream, all of a sudden it felt less potent. Then just downright foolish. What the fuck is wrong with me? I thought to myself. Dead in a year? That's stupid. I was in relative and I was in relatively I was in relative good health, definitely in comparisons to my twin brother, and for my age, I wasn't fat. I ate well, and I moved around to Waldorf, climbing stairs and lifting packages enough for exercise. My bills were paid on time on time for the most part. No bookie, long shark or gangster was chasing me, so what could be the problem? Then right then, two things happened. At 8.15, on the dot, my eyes darted over to the conference doors to my far left, and my, and two, my stomach felt like a washing machine on the spin cycle. The members and eldest residents of the Wardorf were supposed to be filing out of the conference room in wheelchairs and canes and hadn't. And secondly, that synthetic French vanilla bullshit I put in my coffee was coming back with a vengeance. My stomach and my ass were in the fist fight, and I was going to be the only one that lost if I didn't get to a restroom pronto. I waited as long as I could, not wanting the old timers to see the desks they paid good money for to be unmanned first thing in the morning, but fate had other plans. I couldn't take it anymore. I darted for the doorman's restroom that was that was 20 steps or so away from my desk and made it in five, but Lupe of the maintenance crew had our facilities roped off for cleaning and I had to make the country mile route to the conference rooms. I used the side entrance not to be seen by the board and barely made it on time before I blew into that bowl, everything I ate for the last week. I sat there in quiet relief, wiped, flushed, and was ready to go out the, was ready to go out the door. Sorry guys. I I sat there in quiet relief, wiped, flush, and was ready to go when the door opened and the voices I heard of the Waldorf were and the voices I heard were of Waldorf War royalty. Mr Ailers, the treasurer of the board, was a construction tycoon from the seventies that brought about the Madison Square Garden and countless other spaces that helped gentrify my own community that I lived in, and Mr Calhoun, the president, was a big wig teamster, chairman that ran everything logistical from the city to the ports. Together, these two were two white bigots who, man- who manufactured billions of dollars for their companies, took home hundreds of millions for their families, and gave little old me a $10 gift card to Target every Christmas. <laughs> Take of that what you will, but I'm a Southerner. Where hospitality trumps all, and since I was never mistreated to my face, I would just smile and grab a new pair of socks every year. Anyway, I waited in silence for the two to leave. And this is what I heard. Well, Cal, I guess that's it then. Well, Cal, I guess that's it then, Mr. Ayler said from the urinal while Mr. Calhoun washed his hands at the sink. It is finally over. Well, it should have been years ago, Mr. Calhoun said in an annoyance. Probably, but they are very well respected and for good reason. Respected, yeah, but numbers are numbers and we had a cheaper price for the same service for 10 goddamn years. People don't like change, Cal, Mr. Ehlers said, especially when emotion is attached. And let's face it, he's been good to us for a long time. Mr. Ayler's, you know, just as I do, that business is that it's business, not personal. Yeah, he's a good guy and he even has a good crew. But the fact is, he could have we could have saved over one hundred thousand dollars over the last 10 years if we just nipped this in the bud then. And would have and we would have also saved Miss Gailey all those damn crocodile tears this morning if we did. <laughs> yeah, she did look pretty ridiculous up there pleading for him like she was on death row, wasn't she? Right? Please, don't do it to him. He's the good man. Oh spare me lady Are you going to foot the bill alone? Because if you're not, shut the hell up. But do you think she meant it? All that crap. Maybe. I hear she does do a bit of philanthropy work, but who cares? Bottom line is, you keep every dime in your pocket that you can. You're right, Cal. I hate to say it, but you are right. We have to look out for us. Shit, Mr. Ayler. If the man hadn't learned enough from the people that live here in all the years he's been around to go out and get, it, get a bigger piece of the pie for himself, then he's a lost cause anyway. Tragic, but true. Hey, the world needs ditch diggers too, right? <laughs> the world need ditch diggers too. I'm still in that one, Mr. Ehlers, and I'm not giving you a shred of credit for it. <laughs> Bastard. What do you think he'll do when he gets the news? Who, Bernard? The great Mr. Beansy? Shit, I don't know. He's a veteran, right? They got all kinds of programs for people like them. And if he has kids, maybe they'll take care of him if he wasn't a deadbeat. Hmm. Sherry told me he lived in Tennessee as a kid. Well, there you go, Mr. Bleeding Heart. I mean, Mr. Aylers. (laughs) He can go back down south and make country music while roasting pork butts. Oh, man, you are so bad. Look, I'm kidding. And I like him enough. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I ain't gonna do. And that's punch his ticket to the big city with the big boys. Hey, they say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, right? Yeah. Well, he did. For twenty-five years or so, I guess, and now he can go home to the bumpkins and say he worked for us. Worked for us, Mr. Ayler said. Us who, the true leaders of the world, Mr. Mr. Cow, or Mr. Aylers. And with that, the two old men left the restroom, not knowing two things: one, that I knew what I, that I knew what was coming for me, and two, that I was coming for them. I left the restroom and returned to my desk, cool, calm, and worse calculated. My mind and body synced together and the energy surged from inside of me like a tidal wave. I never really felt anything like that in my life before. I was of true purpose and just like the voice I heard in my dreams, it wasn't of kindness or malice. It was just was what it was. And I returned to my desk. Pulled out my book of notes usually used for things to remember at work. And I began to write plans. Very intricate and tedious plans. It was going to take a lot of thought and a lot of effort. But eventually I figured out what I was going to do. And what I was going to do was pull off the greatest robbery in New York City's history. And boom. What do you guys think about that? Yeah sight so we got mr Beansy, um bernard old black man works for um a this high-rise place uh you know you you name it you picture it in manhattan one of those big places that had the doorman out there like the like the plaza hotel or something like that and um well-respected guy, very nice guy and stuff like that That does all these crazy and strange things for these people And helps them out and knows all their business and everything And they're gonna throw him out on the street soon And um, I don't know if it's a telepathic thing That having that dream of dying before Or it was just a a coincidental thing But um, he had that dream that night before And then the next morning he figured out that everything in his life Was about to be shifted on its axis You know, it was about to be put on its ass so he's going to have to figure this thing out and see how he's going to, I don't know, I guess it's a revenge story, you know? you know, try to figure out how he's going to get that piece of the pie that uh, Mr. Cal was talking about. But, um, I'm still right in this situation. And this is pretty much all the way of what I got into, even though I had some thoughts of where I want to go next. But, um... We're going to see what's happening. I've been watching a lot of heist stories and heist movies, the Ocean series and stuff like that to try to you know, figure these things out and put a plan together and put the all the elements in the equation to figure it out and see what we're going to do. And we'll see what happens, man. So I hope you liked it. I hope you, um, you listened to it. And if you didn't, I hope you learned something from it. And I appreciate you guys for listening, man. New story, hindsight, here we go. And uh, I'll catch you guys on the next one. So until then, peace! I'm out of here! choo <laughs>